to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. <clears throat> and I am Trent Taylor, and we have back my favorite person on the planet, Brindy Taylor. Hello. Thank you for coming back on. I'm glad to be back on. Thank <clears throat> well, you. I will say this. So Brandy, um, y'all have probably seen her. She's she sings. She has a beautiful voice. She's on the front of the stage, sings in front of thousands of people. She's good with that. <clears throat> However, she does not like to be in the spotlight. She does not like too much attention. And no. the problem with a podcast is that, well, there's lots of attention, eyes on you, and this. Anyway, so when she said she brought came to me and said, hey, listen, I really feel like we should do this series. And I was like, alrighty, let's do it. Let's do it. So tonight, we're actually going to be talking to you about parenting, and not just tonight. So we're going to do a total of uh, four episodes, um, each kind of in a different area and section in regards to parenting. Um, and so this first one actually is titled, You, the Parent. And we are each week going to kind of talk about um, some principles here in a minute, and let Brandy, Brandy introduce that to you. And kind of as she does, uh, I will bring that up. We will present scripture. Um, I'm not going to show all those on the screen, just so if you're uh, just giving you a heads up. So if you're one that normally waits and pauses, um, the scripture may not be on the screen tonight, um, but definitely you can can write them down. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to let Brandy kind of kick us off and talk about our core principles. Okay. Well, these will repeat each week that we do this series because that we just feel that they're so important and they bear repeating. The first one is always parent with Jesus. Um, Jesus makes everything better, but he created your child. He created you and he, he knit them together in their mother's womb. And so he is the instruction manual. We all wish we had that goes with our child. That's right. Uh, principle number two is to love your child as you love yourself. Um, the golden rule from when we were in elementary school, just to treat your kids how you want to be treated. If I don't want somebody to belittle me, then I need to choose to not belittle my child. If I'm frustrated, I, I try to speak in a manner that brings glory to God and, and also keeps the heart of my kid. Well, which, and on that point real quick, Jesus also said <clears throat> that... Which is the greatest commandment? He says, well, to love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then he says, well, to love your neighbors, you love yourself. Right. It mattered. And, and so that's principle number two in the nutshell right there. Right. It matters so much to Jesus. Um, principle number three is to have the heart of your child. Um, if you have their heart, you have their ear. Um, and we feel that... This is probably one of our favorite topics, and so we'll spend a whole week on it at the very end of this series on that one topic there. So I won't elaborate a lot on it right now, but principle number four is you cannot control anyone except yourself. We'll actually talk on that point in more depth. You know, whenever we were before, I mean, so we've been married now for 20 years, which is amazing, yeah. and uh and when we, before we had parents, or before we had parents, before we had kids, <clears throat> we would go to a grocery store and we see some kid on the ice cream aisle on the floor screaming and kicking. We're like, hey, that's never going to be our kid. I just want to go ahead and warn you, if you have any of those thoughts, okay, um, do not judge, lest ye be judged. Because <laughs> right. that's actually, we know we had our first kid. So some of you might not know who we are. Um, so we have five children, four girls, one boy. Um, and our oldest is 18. Our youngest is eight. And, uh, we, our first kid, I mean, like we we're amazing parents. In fact, she was an angel. She was an angel. She, and is an angel. she still is. And then actually, so then our, with the only boy we have, he was our second child. Uh, really he was, he was pretty easy too, for the yeah. most part. Yeah. So we're thinking, Hey, 
We're amazing parents. We've got this too. We have got this figured out. What's so hard about all this? Yeah. Other than the whole sleep thing. Yeah. And then we had a five-year gap, and then we had three girls in about, what, three and a half years? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to tell you, man, when you get to three as, uh, as a man, the, uh, the problem is you have to do a whole lot more. <laughs> You're now in zone defense. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, so our third one, things got a lot harder. And we'll yeah. share through this series some of the reasons why. And she's an amazing kid, but she had some health issues early on. She screamed the first, what, three weeks of her life, four? For sure. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and so we'll share some stories about that. But then, you know, we have, you know, so, so we have, I'm not going to go and point out which one, but we've had some kids where, like, they would have, with, like, these out-of-body experiences, you know, throwing themselves on the floor and, and rolling around and, you know, and so that is, this really is what set principle number four in place um, is that you can't control anybody but yourself. I think this really also came from, uh, so there's a the series that we, we like, he's, we love Dr. Dobson, um, but there was a, I don't remember what book it was, you, but he basically, he, he made a, a statement about controlling your children. And I don't think he meant it in the wrong way, but I think it could be taken the wrong way. And so we'll speak more to that too. So even anyway, so as we begin, we kind of break this into three sections. Um, each, each week that we do this, we'll have kind of three main topics. But the overall main topic for today, before we get here into section one, is right there. Who are you? You know, and I think this is an important thing. As, as you're a parent, um, it kind of comes to light that, you know, uh, our upbringing, what we think about parenting, how you parent, it comes to light. So how we were raised is going to have a dramatic impact on how we raise our children. There was a group that we used to talk to, <clears throat> and many of them, you know, may have grown up in abusive homes. That might be you. Um, maybe you grew up without a mom or grew up without a dad. Um, these will all affect you. And so you really need to look inward and see where we are potentially, and be really honest with yourself and figure out where we're flawed um, and the areas that where we struggle so that we can go and address these and hopefully, you know, find, you know, healing and deliverance in potential areas and then so that we can parent more healthily in that area. So I want to say this, that, <clears throat> and then I'm going to kind of turn this over to Brandy, but, you know, you've heard that saying that more is caught than taught. Uh, that's absolutely true. So, I always use the example of, you know, golly, Brandy, you know, saying all these horrible things when she drives. No, it's probably me. So I, I remember, though, one time I was driving, and <clears throat> Cora, our youngest, I think it was Cora. Yeah. Uh, was in, in so we're, we're, we, have a, we have a church van, man. We, you know, we look like, the, we look like a youth group. We don't even go, go anywhere. But anyway, uh, and Cora was in a car seat right between she and I, <clears throat> and we're at a stoplight, and this little voice from the back goes, Come on, people! You know, what I mean, so <laughs> they are going to catch everything you say and then repeat it. Um, so that includes how we parent. So with that being said, I'm going to kind of kick this over to you. Um, well, I, I guess actually I'll, I'll go ahead and start if you don't mind. Um, sure. The, you know, one of the things I'd like to, to say when we talk about where you came from is what was your relationship like with your parents? Um, we're going to kind of be transparent on this. So Brandy's parents, she grew up in a different environment than I grew up. Um, my home environment uh, was not very healthy. I did not have a very good model. And, and I love both my parents. <clears throat> they're, they're, they're wonderful people, okay? But my parents got divorced, and it was a nasty deal. And <clears throat> I didn't have a relationship with my mom for roughly 15 years. Now, to, to, be, to be fair, she's back in my life. She's amazing a mother to me, grandmother to my children, mother-in-law to Brandy. Um, but there was some things that I had to go and get healed. In fact, Brandy and I were married for, and had two kids. I don't remember how long, but we had two kids. Grant was 18 months old. There you go. Before Brandy even ever met my mom. Mm -hmm. And so when we speak to parenting, there were clearly some things that I needed to address um, because I needed to make sure there was complete forgiveness and restoration before I knew that I could be the parent, really, that I needed to be. And it also was important for my kids and, and to be able to have that connection with 
their grandmother and for Brandy to have that touch point with my mom. So God is amazing. Regardless of all the stuff that happened, God is a God of healing and restoration and redemption. Mm-hmm. And my goodness, uh, that's a great example uh, of that in our life. Um, so the thing that we look at, there's a, a movie, or actually it's a book, Lee Strobel, uh, The Case for Christ. And recently we watched that movie with the kids. And it came out in the movie, and I had forgotten this, <clears throat> that all his heroes, because he was an atheist, and, he was gonna, and his wife got saved. She became a Christian, and he was going to, say, quote, unquote, save his wife uh, from this cult. <laughs> you know. And so he was an investigative journalist, and he set out to do just that. But, it, you know, it's, it's, spoiler alert, right? I mean, he is complete opposite. He ends up getting saved in the end. He says it's true. You can't deny it. It's absolutely true. But one of the things that in the deal he talked about, all his heroes, Nietzsche and uh, you know Socrates and Plato, and I can't remember all the ones. I mean, but um, a lot of these atheistic views in, in this psychologist um, just made a statement. Did you realize she, she asked what, how the, what the relationship with his dad was like? He said, "Do you realize that all these people you just talked about, Marx, Karl Marx, all had a, either abusive, an absent father, an abusive father, a belligerent father, something to that effect, right? Well, he did too." So if we don't have a parent present, uh, or, or let's say our father, many, it's uh, been you know, shown through studies many times that our view of God many times is a direct reflection of how we view our father mm-hmm. on earth, right? Mm-hmm. So that had a negative impact in his life. And so that he, that he carried that forward. And it's a beautiful thing, but so if he, he had a negative parenting experience, which had a negative relationship with him and his, and his, and his uh, relationship with God— his atheism at the time, which was also having a negative impact on his parenting. So we have to realize the negative. Then the, the positive, we don't throw everything out. There's also wonderful things that um, we may have grown up in. Um, I have wonderful memories about, you know, certain events and places and things that I've did with my parents or grandparents. So we want to bring those things forward. And then I'm going to kind of talk about this, is that I know, and I'm going to let Brandy actually hit on this point, one of the biggest issues that we fight in parenting um, is holding on to unforgiveness. So some people that we have taught throughout the years have either been abused, sexually abused, physically abused. I mean, we've, we've heard horrible things that have just blown our mind. And the very first thing we talk about before we even talk about parenting is, is finding forgiveness. And I'm going to kind of hand that off to you. Okay. Well, like he was saying, some people have grown up in terrible situations and some unspeakable things may have happened to you. And I just want you to know God didn't cause it. It wasn't his fault. He didn't, he didn't want that to happen for you. He loved you so much. And, and whether you knew it or not at that moment, he was with you when all that was going on and wanted to cushion life around you. Um, so, when we have had those unspeakable things happen to us in the context of uh, at the hands of our caretakers, our parents, um, there's a lot of hurt that I think that hurt turns into brokenness when we're going to try to parent our children. Now, I'm not saying that we in turn will go and abuse our children in that same way, but all, all, true, truly sometimes that does happen, but other times it creates other other feelings inside of us where we might not be able to be the best we can be because we're not healed in that spot. Um, I've always heard if God reveals it, he heals it. So the way you start that is through the process of forgiveness. And some people could say, well, you don't know what he did to me. You don't know how I grew up and I, I couldn't possibly forgive that. That's not fair what happened to me. And I understand where you might be coming from in that. Um, you might have heard it. Joyce Meyer said, having unforgiveness is like taking poison ourselves, hoping that that other person will die. Poison of, of unforgiveness kills us. It does. It eats you from the inside out. Right. And it's, it's a thief. It's a prison. And once we, we forgive them and release them to God, it allows God to take control of that situation and begin healing you and begin to change your situation where you could see where he was with you in that process, I think. Um, so just, I, I know as hard as it might be, really 
ask the Holy Spirit to help you know if you have unforgiveness towards your parents or your caretakers, and that will help you propel to your next level of parenting. You know, there's uh, the scripture, Matthew 6, uh, 14 through 15, that says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It shows you... In fact, I, I'm trying, I can't remember, I'm trying to remember the scripture, but whenever the, the disciples were asking Jesus, um, how many times should we forgive somebody? Seven times or seven times? You know, he says, you know, and so ultimately he's saying like 490 times when you start doing the math. I mean, ultimately that's a big number back then. He's saying, you know, you should always just forgive, period. Right. Because what it does um, to you. So <clears throat> we need to, obviously the best example is, is Jesus. Um, but then we need to learn from our past, both the positive and the negative. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a minute, but how we kind of converge those. Okay, all right, well, these were the areas where I had problems. These are the things where, that were good. Figure out what we're going to do. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But you can make your ceiling your children's floor. Okay, so <clears throat> Brandy, I'd like for you to – Brandy's a great example of this. Her parents, um, I, I, I think it's okay. I'm gonna, I'd like to inject that a little bit right here if you don't mind. Sure. Um, my parents came from broken pasts, and while they had great parents that were trying to do the best they could, it, there was there was some brokenness, and um, they felt I think that they brought some of that into their own home, and um, it, it was just beautiful how my parents parented me. They overcame so many things, um, and it's not my testimony to share, but at the same time, they they overcame. A lot, a whole lot. Things they really did, and I'm just so proud of them because the way they loved us so well, um, and really they didn't know what they were doing, and even just little things that um, they did. I don't know that they realized the impact that it had in shaping who I am, and you know even just little things like Saturday morning breakfast, I'm which sure has been carried on. It has. I I'm sure my dad didn't do this every Saturday, but in my little girl heart, my daddy made pancakes every Saturday, y'all. And, <laughs> you know, it It just it was a time that we were together. It was creating traditions, and I don't know that he realized what he was even doing, and or even just the way they would tuck me in, and they would have a certain way they tuck the blanket, and I just felt so loved. I felt so seen and felt so special, and I feel like that, that made me who I am, and I'm sure they didn't do it every single night, but it just, what it taught me was if, if you just repeat something enough to where your kids are like, they did it every Saturday, yeah. then they will feel seen and loved and heard, and that, that's, that's what kids need. That's what kids need to thrive, just to be seen. You know, and your parents came to Christ, <clears throat> I think when you're you know, when you're still, you know, fairly young, and they truly did have a Jesus moment. We'll share with that probably a little bit more uh, later. And, and then they continued to press in. Um, and so it's one of those things that <clears throat> they really did. They, they created a phenomenal place for you, a springboard for you to move forward in your faith and in your walk. Definitely. And they broke that generational curse, which is another thing. So Many of us have, a, you know, in fact, this is biblical. So generation curses, you know, they'll carry on for three generations, but a righteous, righteous, you know, home will carry on for a thousand generations, right? So those, you, you've seen this. If you're not familiar, there's actually quite a bit of scripture. I don't want to get too much in a rabbit hole here, uh, but you've seen this happen. Um, you know, the grandfather's an alcoholic, so the dad was an alcoholic, so the kid's an alcoholic. Uh, you know, I, I've just seen it, you know, in, in real life so many times, Um and so it takes one generation, it takes somebody to break that curse. And all you have to do, you can't do it on your own, but it has to do with leaning on Jesus. And many times we see this in parenting. Uh, you're, you know, the grandfather was a yeller and hitter. So the father was a yeller and a hitter. So, the, you know, you see the pattern. You can break that. You can break that. And we're going to talk about emotions and feelings because in here in a minute, but those are completely separate from how so what's going how you feel is completely separate from how you react and you do have control over that you can't ask jesus to begin to break these things down and to change your heart um so the, the another thing that you run into quite often is inner vows 
Um, <clears throat> so that means, well, I will never, or I will always. And inner vows in and of themselves are a curse. Uh, I remember a pastor that I used to listen to. <clears throat> he actually, so as a kid growing up, they were poor, but they, his family would never allow him to have Cokes in the house, Coca-Colas or sodas, whatever you call them, all right, whatever. The, and so as a, he, he decided as an adult that he was going to always make sure the refrigerator was stocked with. Well, he was at the you know, store with uh, his wife, you know, and he goes over to the soda aisle and the drink aisle, and he's just loading up, loading up the, 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 the cart, and it created conflict in, in, in uh, argument because it was it was over the top. It was an inner vow that he realized later that he had created, saying, "Hey, well, I'm always going to have my fridge full for my friends." And I mean, I know that's a small one, but now extrapolate that into, I will never, you know, yell at my kids. Well, I don't want to ever yell at my kids, but generally, when you create an inner vow like that, it can have. It's like putting, you know, you're trying to put a cork behind, you know, uh, uh, black powder. And eventually that sucker is going to blow. So we need to make sure that, that we ask God to guide and direct our thoughts and our actions. Well, some, I mean, even things like making sure my kids have name brand clothes. Okay. Yeah. That's a great example. Or making sure my house is perfectly clean or we're just not going to care about it being clean because my parents were over the top about it or finding things, um, my parents wouldn't let me play sports. I'm not saying that like me, but you know, my example. My parents wouldn't. Oh, let your me dad play tried sports. to get you to play play uh, softball one time, and oh, all you did was chase the butterflies. So, Randy, bless his heart. I just want to apologize one more time for my wife. Sorry, Dad, but just it, enrolling their children in everything because that's what the popular kids did, or d- different things that they've they wounds that happened to them when they were young. So. When I parent, I'm going to do it this way. And they might not even realize it's a conscious thought. It's just something that honestly feels like it just happened. Right. Mm-hmm. That's really good. You know, we talked about loving yourself uh, as you love your neighbor. And, and love is what's going to bring you out of those generational curses. Love is what's going to bring the love of Christ. It's going to bring you out of those generational curses, those inner vows. But the other thing that when we talk about that stuff, the very, usually the very next thing that happens that is the enemy shows up and he shames you. And I want to go ahead and say this right now. God never shames. God operates in mercy and grace and love and kindness. But the enemy, he operates in shame and fear and rejection. And so inevitably, many times that I've counseled or we've taught, <clears throat> the very next feeling somebody has is, well, I have shame because I did these things. No, I'll tell you what, man. You just need to take it before God, ask for forgiveness, and guess what? Not only does he forgive it, he forgets it like it never happened. And just and you may have to do this again and again. It may be a process, but do not wallow in the shame because that's what the enemy wants. He wants to keep you from breaking through that barrier in this area where you may struggle. Well, and I think shame is also something that we feel like our kids are going to hold against us. And you always hear the that kids are resilient and usually that's connected to you're, you're getting a divorce or something and they're saying oh your kids are going to be fine but um they truly are resilient yeah and if you have shame about how you handled their first six years or 10 years or 16 years or whatever it is there's still time there's still time for you to connect and win their hearts back by by being intentional Asking for forgiveness from them, perhaps, but being intentional after that. So don't don't feel the shame of, oh, I did it wrong for so long. They're going to remember you doing it right, Maury. They will. Like it'll cover it. And we will probably say this a number of times, <clears throat> and it may already be in our notes for tonight. I can't remember, but just asking your children for uh, to forgive you. Mm-hmm. I have to do this more often than I care to admit. <laughs> Um, you know, but it's, you know, and it kind of leads us into section two about where we are now. But one of the things that is God not only chose you, he chose you to be the parent of your kids and your kids, they want to choose you also. They, you, you may not realize and you're thinking, well, you know, cause I'm going to say something, you're going to roll your eyes cause you're thinking about your teenager. But let me tell you something. They want you to be their hero. They really do. And the way we do that, you know, again, goes back to, you know, the principle, I think, number three is having the heart of your child. But, yeah. but and we're going to have a whole, ser- whole episode on that. But, you know, is, is to, to make sure that you don't wallow in shame, that you, if you have an issue with your children, that you go and you ask for, for their forgiveness. I, I've had to do this quite a bit even recently. And I, I'm going to give one example. Then I'm going to have Brandy kick us off on the next section. Recently, I... I, I 
said some silly things. My oldest daughter's 18 years old. <clears throat> Not that I was wrong, but I did it wrong. And, um, and I embarrassed her and, and I hurt her feelings and, um, the Lord and my wife convicted me. <laughs> she convicted me gently and, uh, look at her. She's cute. How can you not listen to that? And so I, I, you know, I sat before the Lord, I went up to her room, I sat on her floor and I apologized and tears came down her, down her face. And I recaptured her heart in that moment. And, and, it's, it, I, and not only that, that me apologizing to her, showing her that, okay, I, I, I mess up too. Um, and it, 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 it's one of those things where this is something you may have to perpetually do, but your kids will forgive you. Just be sincere and honest when you do it. Mm-hmm. Section number two. Who you are now. As a parent, who, who we were, where we came from, what we just talked about, and who we are right now also obviously really impacts how we parent our children um some of us have intense passionate personalities (laughs) i don't know why you're pointing over here and some of us are more laid back but i'm not i'm not really laid back she's really she's wound pretty tight she really is wound pretty tight you'd be surprised i i think because i'm nice i always thought i was laid back so what you're saying is i'm not nice oh you're totally nice but oh oh, okay I just assume because I'm a nice person that I'm a laid back person, but then I'm really not y'all, but our personality definitely impacts how we parent. It does. He's going to, he's going to be a little more intense. And so with some of our kids and and direct, direct. Yeah. Blunt. And yeah, maybe more direct. Yeah. And and I'll say that just like on that point, Brandy, she's, and I think it's the point she make, but she's the sweet. I remember when we first got married, she's like, okay, gotta have the sweet. Then we give you the hard, hard message. Step. And then the sweet, and I'm like, sweet. and I was like, just get to the point and tell me what you're mad about me. <laughs> Why are you mad? Bottom line it. Yeah. And now I'm too blunt, I guess. Sometimes Shares my I feelings. feelings. I, I'm, I'm verbally abused. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes uh, regarding parenting, our, um, our personality might clash with that of our children or it's the same as our kid. And we're like, that might be even harder. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. And, and y'all, y'all can all relate to that as parents, I'm sure. So it's, it's important that we ask the Holy spirit to temper our personality when needed. I'm not saying change who you are. I'm not saying be somebody that you aren't, but I think it's also important to know this kid is extra sensitive. I'm going to have to go in easy on this and one. Guys, on the what you just said, this kid's extra sensitive. doesn't mean I go in there and pull a you know, patent and smack him around on the booty and say, suck it up and toughen up, kid, because if that kid's already sensitive, you're pushing that kid in the wrong direction. Right. Just to, to ask the Holy Spirit, how do I parent this child right now? And sometimes you don't hear anything when you pray those prayers. But other times you just have this idea and it's too good to be yours, too good to be mine. And I, I know that he has been so faithful to me in those situations when I, when I ask. Absolutely. I can't remember where it is. I'm so bad at the address, but I think it's in James. But if, if you ask for wisdom, he is so delighted to give it to you. And I mean, he, this is, there's actually, think about, there's quite a few examples out there of scripture. Right. We think of Solomon. You know, he could have asked for anything, but what he asked for, wisdom. So, And this is something, God wants you to get parenting right as much as you want to get parenting right. Because he, oh, who was it? Uh, Friedrich Douglass said that it's... Oh, Friedrich Douglass, yeah. Yeah, it's better to build children than to to repair. repair men. Yep. I love that. That's a great saying. It is a great saying. So back to our personalities, though. We have to know how our strengths... And our weaknesses are going to help us or hurt us in parenting. Don't use your weaknesses as a crutch. Take that opportunity to grow in your faith, to grow in who you are as, as a Christian and as a parent. And, and just ask the Lord to, to help you in your weakness. He is so faithful um, to make us strong. I, I mean, that's in Philippians. I don't remember where. But <laughs> You're doing good, babe. <laughs> Um, he never intended for us to be static in our personality. It, it's until has it until we fall in that hole, like PJ. Yeah, King until you fall in that hole, running, you're running the race until you fall in that hole. Right. Yep. Until we're there, we're we're going to be learning and growing. If if we are truly seeking Christ, anyway, we're we're going to. And, want and if that. you're being teachable, yeah. And this is really where teachable is going to come in. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, I'm sorry, you want to go ahead? There's still some stuff there on personalities, but, uh, you know, our personalities are, are obviously quite a bit different. Um, like she said, I'm more intense, you know, and, and uh, what's crazy, though, on certain things in parenting, I am more laid back than her. Yeah, they know, the kids know <laughs> the kids who know to go to. For, for each topic, and you know that. I'm the fun one for food, friends. I'm the fun one if you want to go to the, basically any place and spend money. Yeah, oh, and entertainment. And entertainment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, but if you, if you want to, you know, have, have the highest possible chance of getting a thumbs up to have his friend spend the night, she's the one to go to. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Well, if you don't know what your personality is, this would be a helpful time for you to learn. So there, there are several resources. I, I hesitate to tell you about the Enneagram because I feel like it's rooted in some not holy things. Yeah, yeah I agree. So... Sorry if that makes you mad. I know it's a big thing in the, the Christian realm right now. Um, but there is one called Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. It costs a little bit, but I feel like it's it's really thorough. Um, I don't even have a clue how much it costs right now. But there is either. a free one online called 16 Personalities. And it's actually pretty good. Um, I, I think I, I ran it. I learned a few new things about me. I mean, I know my personality pretty well. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it pegged me. Um, but, but it had some other really kind of, it, it'll give you some tidbits about, here's the pros of your personality. Here's some con. I mean, I didn't have any cons on my personality personally. Right. Brandy oh. did, but, um, I don't think I took it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. See, she's afraid she's going to have some negative things. Right. Um, it. no, but, but it's good. Just, just go and take it. Be honest with yourself. You don't have to share it with anybody. Just, just is about between you and God and, and be honest and that's what all of this is about, being honest so that you can really kind of get to the core of anything that might be hindering you from being the best parent you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. The next thing we're going to talk about are feelings and emotions and fears and insecurities. And one of the biggest problems plaguing society, what, is the, what did Jesus tell us? To be in this world but not of this world. The biggest issue plaguing this world is how Satan has played on people's emotions. You know, emotions are wonderful, you know, uh, uh, are wonderful servants, but they're horrible masters. If you live your life driven by emotions, your entire world is going to be a roller coaster ride. You're going to have no peace. And not only that, the world will own you. Think of this. I am not my feelings. My feelings lie to me all the time. Look at this sweet, beautiful, if I could zoom in right now and do a little close-up of her, some pretty music, whatever, I would do it. Look at this woman, (laughs) okay? She, she's, she's incredibly, you know, kind and sweet and and thoughtful. She's a great wife. I get mad at her sometimes, believe it or not. And there's been times, what we have learned in our marriage, which we've talked about this on our marriage, uh, some of our podcasts, but I'll just say, hey, listen, I'm mad at you right now. Is this what you said? Is this what you meant? And she'll say, no, we've learned to not let the accuser get there, okay? But... That's what happens. The accuser shows up. What if the accuser shows up and gives you, you know, all these things? Like I remember one of the most menly men I've ever known in my entire life. I mean, he was the toughest, roughest cowboy. Well, he and he's 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 been dead for twenty years. Well, <laughs> he when he was a little boy, you know, think about even the era. He was over there playing with his sister's dolls, okay, little Barbie dolls and stuff like that. And they they razzed him and gave him a hard time. Listen, man, he's just a kid playing with some dolls. What about girls who are tomboys? You know, oh, well, you know, I feel like I'm supposed now what is it? I, I feel like, oh, I should be a boy instead of a girl. All oh, that's a bunch of hooey, man. Those are feelings, and those feelings will lie to you, you know? <clears throat> those are all just temporary things that the enemy will lie to you about and try to convince you. So he operates in fear, fears and insecurities. Let me tell you something. Bill Johnson says this really well, that any thought that does not inspire hope is rooted in a lie. And that is, that, that, and that's always, if you're trying to say, well, is this emotion or is this something else? Okay, well, if, let me, does it inspire hope? No. Does it inspire fear? Does it inspire, like, you, you look at yourself and you hate yourself? Well, then it's rooted in a lie. What is that lie? Okay. Can we take better care of ourselves? Can we, yeah, I'm not trying to just, it's not, I'm not trying to generalize things, but emotions and feelings will absolutely lie to you. And lie to you about your children. So, yes. So, in the area of parenting. You know, they will absolutely lie to you when, let's say you're the way that your kid is perceiving a certain topic, okay, and they're not, maybe not catching on the way you thought they would, or maybe you even feel like they're being disrespectful because of personality differences between me and my kid. So then my emotions begin to ramp up how I'm going to respond to my kid. 
when that kid wasn't necessarily being disrespectful, just didn't understand. Okay, so that, again, goes to the importance of understanding our personality and our children's personalities. Take some of our kids, right? I mean, um, I get some of my kids better because they're a little closer in personality to me versus Brandy. You know, there's a few that are more closer personality to Brandy. And so since we have a good marriage, we also, she'll, she'll counsel me or I'll counsel her depending on the kid and the circumstance. I say, listen, don't let your feet, don't feel this way or your, your emotion. I know you feel this way, but here's what's really going on. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there have also been times where maybe I was working on school with one of the kids and I perceive something they are not saying, actually, and it made me angry. And I was about to unleash and tell them all this, that you need to be respectful and all this. And I felt the Lord kind of pull on the reins and about 30 seconds passed and then they spoke and it was brilliant but I was about to but I just had to give it time it's like wait for it wait for it and I'm so glad I didn't rain on that I would have missed it you know it's so again we have to put our emotions and our feelings in check and we have to to parent through love and logic that doesn't mean that we're not going to have feelings and emotions and all stuff. Absolutely. But those need to be servants to our, to, to us, to our spirit, who we truly are, instead of allowing those to, to, to be our master. Um, so that being said, I'm going to kind of kick this over to you. One of the, the next things we're going to talk about is distractions. As parents, um, it's easy to pick up that phone, get on that laptop, and um, allow even menial things like housework distract us from really seeing the eyeballs of those kids. And that's what they need. That's their heart cry is for you, for us as parents to see them. And sometimes it means sitting in their bedroom floor and really not doing anything, but just watching them play or getting on your tummy and looking in the dollhouse or looking in the Lego creation or going into the Minecraft game or even just sitting and watching them. Or the bigger kids when they come home and it's, you know, late and you're ready to go to bed uh, yeah. and all of a sudden the, the teenagers want to start talking. They're so it means they're ready to talk and you're, you're smoked. Okay. Yeah. And so this is again, where you're pushing your emotions and feelings down and you override those with your love and logic and you sit on their bed with them and let them just tell you about their day and just, I mean, so it's really easy to be distracted. Right. Well, just just as an encouragement, try to sit that phone down. And, and I, I really, I get it. I'm, but there are times where I'll even just leave my phone plugged in on my nightstand and it's not going around with me. And, and I think it kind of frustrates some people because they can't reach me. But I just feel if I was at work, I would have office hours, and when I'm with my kids, those are my office hours. It's not anyone else's time, but theirs. And um, you know that means I don't I don't go to lunch, and I don't go off with the girlfriends a whole lot. You know I, I don't I don't do a lot of those things. But I feel like um, right now my call and my commitments to my kids, and it it's been a hard thing. I'm missing out on some things, but I feel like it it is absolutely worth it. Um, so the distractions just, well, I, I would say this too. We live in, in a, in a, in a world where there's literally millions of voices crying for our attention, not just our attention, but our children's Cheers. attention. And, you know, there's something that happened recently with our kids who ended up turning, they, they were trying to, you know, they were, is an online game kind of deal. And they were, they're trying to tell people about Jesus and, and this person. And on the other side, yeah. I told them they're an atheist and cussing at them and all this kind of stuff. And our, these, these little girls, boy, they fought back, um, and they said some really good stuff, you know, um, and they were crying because they, this person was attacking their faith and their Jesus, and they were on fire. So I'm getting it. So my point is, I mean, we try to keep kids mostly, you know, we do technology, but we try to limit the online connectivity for different reasons. But the thing is, is that it, there's so many things vying for our attention. You know, this phone um, and social media, the, the games – we quit social media 12, 13, 14 years ago. Best decision we ever made. Um, and, but there's all, but then think of this. I mean, there's lots of good things to watch on, you know, TV or Netflix or binging stuff, whatever. You have got to figure out, though, okay, I, I, I need 
to, to, to get engage with my children. So I have to figure out what's keeping me, you know, from them. Because if I'm distracted, they're going to be distracted. We don't like to be uncomfortable or inconvenienced. As a society, to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced is one of the worst things that could ever happen to us. And children, just by design of God, are naturally dependent and they will inconvenience you and they will make you very uncomfortable. And I feel like when when we're faithful to see those eyeballs, to to be in it with them and, and to know they have us unconditionally, um, I feel I feel like that that's where that heart connection where it it's just another string that ties us together and, and bonds us. You know, and I'll say this. I mean, here's an example. Um, we're we're going to talk about our culture and how we build our culture and some things like that. But just just keep in mind, um, you know, with our with our little girls. Now, there's seasons where I've done it with the big kids and everything else, and I'm always trying to invite the big kids. Sometimes late when Brandy wants to go to bed, and I'll stay up. I like being up. I don't mind. And I'll watch you know shows with the big kids or whatever else. But a lot of times, I'll try, we'll try to hurry and get through dinner and stuff like that. And I'll sit with the little girls. And so, not too long ago, I felt. I mean, like I, I felt, I know this sounds weird, but I felt convicted to actually buy a video game to play with the girls. Um, it was in a <laughs> Mario game, and and it's been so much fun. Everybody will laugh. I mean, it has created so much laughter and fun, and and the, everybody wants to to do. It's it's drawn us together, but wants to do this at night. And then we've watched. We'll watch fun things that are healthy, you know, from Christian things to Star Wars things. So anyway, just you, you connecting with your kids. So. Section three, all right, this is the final section for tonight, and that is who do you want to be? You know, we're talking about parenting, so the first thing we all want to say is, I want to be a great parent, Mm -hmm. but what does that look like? You know, when I was a kid, I remember Leave it to Beaver and all that stuff. You know, you had all these role models, you know, really when you go back and look at it, they weren't that great of parents, but if you're looking at modern society, there is not any public examples of what a good parent really looks like. And, and we have to, to look to the word and we have to look to quality people. And, and one of the things that we can see is in regards to, uh, you know, how children are being raised is you can see if there's heart connections between the parent and the children. And that's, that's a very visible and easy thing to see. And those are people that you want to look to and say, okay, hey, mentor me or to, to model some of the things that they're doing. Um, so here in a minute, we'll talk about that. But I'll tell you what, half the battle, period is just showing up. Mm-hmm. So many parents are not present. They pass their kids between events, you know, throwing granola bars and sandwiches on saying, all right, I mean, they are just, they are not present. And so the very best thing that you can do, if you want to know what a good parent looks like, show up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first battle. Mm-hmm. Well, the best example of all on how to lay down your life is Jesus. In Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Uh, Jesus said to serve all. He, he was the, Even the Son of Man did not come to, to be lifted up, but to serve and become a ransom for many. Um, so good parenting, I think, is just is truly like that. Laying down our lives for our children's. Being a good parent is going to be sacrificial. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we used to show is uh, this graphic. It's just kind of a word cloud, and there's a lot of words that we can use that would just would, like. If, so if you're saying, "What is a good parent?" What comes? What words come to mind? You know, love, heart, guiding, sacrificial, boundaries, encouraging, unconditional, apologetic. Uh, patient friendship eventually okay sometimes we get a little hung up on friendship um, to the detriment of, of the child we'll talk about that on another week but you know there's there's 
you 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 can really sit down and kind of figure out, okay, well, what do I see? What are the qualities and the attributes that I would apply to a good parent? And this is just something that you need to do in your quiet time. Get a, grab a journal, sit it down, sit down, and say, and here's what I would recommend you do: take take people that you respect and you've seen them raise their children in their healthy home, and begin to write down the attributes that you see about those those individuals. Why is their home healthy? Um, why are their children healthy? Why are they, you know, so there's, there's things that you can begin to pull out of that. Do a study. That's what I'm talking about. So really study what it is that you want and where you're going with it. Um, you know, the other part is you really need to involve Jesus with everything you do. Every kid is different. We have five kids. There are similarities between them, sure. But every one of them is different. And that means they're different than me. <laughs> so... I have to go to God continually and ask him, all right, Lord, I, I'm not understanding this particular situation about this particular kid. I just don't, I don't get it. You know, what are they thinking? And the Lord will help soothe that inside of me and say, well, here's what's going on there. And, and he'll, and sometimes it may take a little bit. And sometimes it requires us to sit down and pray together. I'll go to Brandy or she'll come to me and, and about the situation. Like, I'm not getting that. And, and we'll, we'll take it to the father. And if you take it to God, he will always, always guide you to solutions and answers. He's so faithful. Um, the next thing would be to surround your, yourself with positive influences. Um, find a great church. We know a good one. <laughs> we do. <laughs> but, um, befriend healthy families. Like Trent was saying, if you see that healthy family and you see things are functioning in a way that your heart desires that, you're, you have righteous jealousy where how, how can i word that word it sounds better but you your heart desires what they have right you're not covening you're you're cre you're craving a good thing but when you see that what they're doing then okay they're encouraging and then you find a way to implement into your own parenting lifestyle um so befriend those healthy families and have friends who make you want to be better hang around the mom that you want to be like and not the one that's going to be dragging you away from your family or pulling your heart out of righteousness, but find the mom that makes you want to pursue God and want to love your husband and want to love your children. And, and if you're the husband, the, the guy that's a strong father and husband, um, you are who you hang around. Well, and you can predict your future by the people that you spend your time mm -hmm. with. And as I used to, to be a, a wrestler, and <clears throat> if, you wanted, I would, you know, if you wanted to get better at wrestling or better at fighting, whatever it is that I was doing, then I would wrestle or fight people that were better than me. I would get my tail kicked. So then when I get on the mat and I'm fighting more in my weight range or whatever else, I mean, I was, I was dominant. That's how you do that. Um, you know, there's, we're going to talk in week four about our culture, but you have to decide what your values are going to be, your family values what your culture and your family is going to be like. But there's a woman that we, we really highly respect. She's been very instrumental in a lot of our homeschooling, but just it's called relational parenting. Um, Sally Clarkson, though, she made it, said this. She says, what you do not define, you will not develop. And that's a great way to put that. We have to define what parenting looks like. We have to define what our family looks like. We have to define what you know, these boundaries are that we're going to raise our children within because if we don't define them then, you know, we'll never get there. We will not develop it. We won't develop those boundaries. We won't develop that culture, that environment for that to thrive. You know, you need to also operate out of grace. Jesus offered and extended grace to us, and we need to do the same thing to our children. And I get it. Some days is a whole lot easier than others, and there's some kids, man, that our personalities conflict, and whenever they start doing the whatever's and or throwing themselves on the floor and kicking and scream it's hard okay i'm not saying condone that behavior at all but give grace that they too are struggling in this fallen world and and ask god how we are going to best we, we'll talk about discipline one week but just how we can best deal with this in this, this situation and it's new every day every day you're going to have to readdress and submit to the father Right. And usually when they're on the floor rolling around, it's really not about the thing they're rolling on the floor about. It's the it, smoke, not the fire. Right. Yeah. You, they, they, want, they want to be seen. And it's interesting how that works out. Well, it's important also to make 
family and children a priority. It's God first, your marriage second, the kids next, and then everything else after that. And if your schedule doesn't reflect that, then it's time to you'll see you'll you'll see it. And, and yeah. so, if the kids are above the the parent parental relationship, you're going to see that you're going your marriage is going to flounder. Um, if you have God above, you know, your spouse, your kid, you know, or, you know, it's, everything's right away. If your kids are above God and, and your spouse, I mean, you're going to just see all the conundrums and the negative, you know, relationship issues that are going to come from that. And many times if, if we feel dysfunction within the family, sitting, sitting down and just asking God, okay, open my eyes. Are my priorities right? And then stopping and having that listening prayer we've learned about, but just waiting. Oh, I, I've gotten things jumbled out of place. And when you get things in the right place, it's amazing how it functions better. There's stability and there's a foundation. So our, our priorities are super important. But the next thing is it's just important that we spend time together as a family, um, eat together, have at least, if you can, swing it, have one meal a day together. Um, and and really we hard. usually do. Like tonight we didn't because we're here. You know, um, but we did, but you were at home. And so y'all shared some time together right. and meals together. And I get it. It's hard. Um, you got sports and we have all these things, but I, I would encourage you don't feel like you have to do those things. I was incredibly busy. I'll share more of that another time, but eating together has been one of the best things that we have mm-hmm. ever done as a family. Yeah. And it was, it was a decision. I, I really don't even know where we heard it, but it was a decision that we, we thought this is important. We're going to be intentional about this. And I'm telling you, it's been the best thing for our family. Well, and as a kid growing up, I mean, our family hardly ever ate together. I can, I can count on almost one hand the times I remember sitting around a table without a TV or without a, I don't know. But So it's really important. Mm-hmm. And finally, Zig Ziglar, we think, is where we finally pin this down. But kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Creating that time together. Um, you know, a lot of us just, life is busy. Even when you're on purpose trying to say no to things, it's still incredibly busy. And don't, don't be afraid to say no to things for the, you know, point one. But also, don't be afraid to be different. You know, I, I just remember thinking, well, when the kids get big enough, you put them in preschool. And then th- that's about when ballet or soccer starts or you do t-ball. And you really don't have to do that. We did that with our first two, and then our last three, we have not. And I'm telling you, it's the, well, there's the, we, okay. we see we see that yeah, they're okay. Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't sure that I was going to do this. Normally, so I I am a a, a preacher. I am, and uh, normally when we teach like this, uh, at this time, I will, I just I, I will always talk tell people about um, my testimony, where I come from, but more importantly, to set this up. Everything we're talking about, if you want to have a healthy marriage, if you want to have a healthy parental relationship with your kids and you want to see them flourish, let me tell you something, you can't do it without Jesus. I've seen some that have really tried and they've gotten close. Nah, you can't do it without Jesus. I I don't know how people live with the hopelessness they live in. So I'm going to share a piece of my testimony tonight. And, and, you know, God uses all kinds of platforms and and, and that includes a podcast, you know, online. Maybe you're listening on YouTube. Maybe you're sitting in your car listening on Spotify or Apple Podcast. I want you to hear this because I was a very immoral young man. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my parents got divorced when uh, I was 15, but the process really kind of began when I was 14. And really, there had been trouble in, in my parents' relationship, I mean, as long as I can remember. And, and I'm not saying this against them. This is just my testimony. This is what happened to me. And I began to go off the wheels. I began partying, fighting, drinking, anything I could do um, to kind of numb, you know, that, that pain. And so it came time. I remember when I was, um, I was 17 years old, and I drove all the way to Mexico, went across the border. Can you imagine doing that now? I mean, it's a miracle that I'm even alive. Went across the border bought steroids, came back across the border, got pulled over by DPS officers that thought we were, because we had milk in the floorboard, and they was, oh, so y'all are some good boys drinking milk. And I'm like, oh, yeah, and that's actually in the side of that's where we had steroids. I mean, it's just, it was a miracle that, uh, you know, I, I even lived. I, I there's so many different stories. But I had, in my senior year, several people that were really pursuing me, and one of those happened to be my aunt. Her name was Kay. 
she was married to my dad's brother, Jay. So yeah, J and K kind of fit. And so, um, I was out of control. And so she, um, was, and she was very ill. She had breast cancer. And so she would, um, constantly say, Hey Trent, just come to the house, come to the house. How do you get to a teenage boy? You know, you get to him through their stomach. Right. So I would, um, go to their house and, and, and then I would a lot of times just stay. Um, and, and we, I'd play video game stuff with my cousins and, and so after a while she said, Hey, I'd like for you to come to church with me now. I grew up in an Episcopal church who that particular church now promotes homosexuality from the pulpit. And so even at that time, um, they weren't promoting that, but it was, I never, I didn't even know what salvation was, but I was an alkalite. I mean, I was the, you know, the pomp and circumstance going down, you know, really when we get back to the church, I went to that, that, that church, they actually served for communion real wine. So I wasn't busy in the back trying to figure out whether they kept the wine. I never found it. They actually hit it pretty well, but you know, so my aunt says, hey, I want you to come to church with me. And it was an Assembly of God church. So the first time I walked in this place, man, I was like, these people are nuts. They have hands in the air. That. There's a dude up on the, on the stage playing saxophone. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, and I was like, these people are crazy. And there's people, you know, praying in tongues and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I know that probably just, you know, lost half of you. Just, But I'm telling you, this place was crazy, but crazy good. And so the preacher starts preaching, and it's like my aunt had told him everything about me i mean this dude is preaching straight to me so each week she'd say come back every week it's like he's reading my mail <laughs> and so after a while um my aunt asks me hey will you come on sunday night and i'm like thinking you know nobody's bad enough you got to go to church twice in one day but i did before i tell you about that sunday night i told you how sick my aunt was well, the Civic Center used to have these horrible orange chairs. I was about to graduate high school. My graduation was going to be at the Civic Center. And I told my aunt, hey, don't worry about coming. I, I just, I, I don't even, I, I barely showed up to high school myself, okay? I mean, listen, it's, <laughs> that's a whole other story. But, I mean, I, you know, I didn't want to go. But not only did she come, she came so she could get a front row seat. And she sat right in the front so that she could watch me come across that. And I remember seeing her. And that, I knew how much pain she was in. And something about that whole exchange, just, I was like, that, that's way bigger than her. That's, that's, and what that was, was agape love, the love of God. And, and so, because of that, she had lots of turf with me. And she said, hey, so when she said, hey, will you come on, on Sunday night? I said, all right, I'll come. And, and what was crazy about that Sunday night is the preacher, Gary Horton was the preacher's name, and he was preaching. I, I just couldn't wait for Gary to shut up. Pastor Gary, shut up. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, and the minute he, the minute he was, he said, all right, he had an altar call. I ran to the front of that sanctuary, got on my knees, and I asked Jesus Christ into my life. And ironically, I've, I've said this before from the pulpit, but as Dean Osteen goes to our church, was the one who prayed with me. Um, and it was May 22nd, 1994. It changed everything. I wouldn't have Brandy. I wouldn't have the family that I have. I wouldn't have... I mean, anything, really, what I have now, it, 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 none of it would exist had I not made that decision for Jesus Christ that night. It's the most important, best decision I've ever made. In Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and God raised him from the dead, you're saved. You cannot earn your way into heaven. I don't have enough time left here to go through this, but it's the Roman road that first of all, you are a sinner in, in need of a savior. That savior is Jesus Christ, the son of God. He is literally the sovereign creator of the universe, and he submitted himself and came to earth in the form of, of a man, and he took up on all the sin of the world, and when he was hanging on that cross, he was thinking about you. Yes, you. Not hyperbole you, you. And he took all that sin, and three days later, God raised him from the dead. It says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is normally where I would say, I want to raise your hand or whatever else, but I want you to make a physical gesture right now. Seriously. If you want to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, wherever you are, wherever you're watching this, wherever you're listening, I want you to just do this. Just raise your hand. If you have not been living for Christ and you've been out in the weeds, and, and you have not been on that path and that road, and you feel distance from God, and you want to recommit your life to God, I want you to raise your hand. Do the same thing. Just raise your hand. It's a physical gesture, and here's why I'm telling you to do that without me being here, and I'm on 
you know, YouTube over here, okay? It's because the enemy doesn't read your thoughts. You give him way too much credit. He doesn't know your thoughts, but he can see your action. And that action of raising your hand and declaring Jesus Christ as Lord over your life, that is like an uppercut to, to the enemy. If you've just made a decision for Christ, I want you to pray this prayer. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, I know that you sent your only begotten Son to die for me. And I know that I am a sinner. And you died for my sins on that cross. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I ask for Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I now know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name. Can't wait to see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.